And we entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved, on this day we begin our journey on the holiest of weeks. We began outside with palm branches, shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. We then move into the reading of the Passion, moving towards the cross. We got a 30,000-foot view picture of where our Lord was going, namely to the cross for humanity. Palm Sunday is always the first day of Holy Week, a day that is interesting as we begin with joy, as we begin with shouts of praise, and then as we move into our Lord's Passion. Beloved, I'm struck at both of the crowds, both of the crowds that we find in our reading. The crowd that came from Galilee, north of Jerusalem, the poor folk, the the, the band of brothers and of sisters who had seen Jesus of Nazareth heal many. Some of them, I'm sure, had recovered their sight, or who... um, whose brother or mother or daughter was raised from the dead or healed from our Lord, those that had nothing, those that were poor, those that saw this Jesus of Nazareth in their midst healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God, they had nothing to lose. They had nothing to lose. Their way was a way of humility saying, we have nothing to lose and we have seen what he has done for us and to us. And we are accompanying him south from the Galilee, south from Nazareth, down into Jerusalem, to the holy city, the holy city that would receive him not, the city that kills the prophets, the city that in its own pride has no room, no room in the hearts of the men and the women there to receive the humble king. Aren't we struck by the passion reading in the gospel? There are two ways to life, beloved. There's the way of humility in receiving Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, saying, I am a miserable offender, but I love thee, Lord. Take me, heal me, save me. Hosanna in the highest. And then there is the way of the high priests and the high priest and the Sadducees and so many of the Pharisees who would not receive him. Have we thought of and seen the irony in the Passion Gospel? It's Pilate. It's Pilate himself who is convinced to some degree that this man is innocent. It's Pilate's wife who has a dream who says, look, have nothing to do with that man, for he's innocent. It's a thief on the cross who cries out and says, basically, Lord, save me. Will you bring me into paradise with you? Please save me. It's it's the centurions who shout, surely this must have been the Son of God. Humility, room in their heart to receive our Lord. But you see, what those in the holy city of Jerusalem and what so many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others were wanting and desiring was that military conquering king. We know this. You hear this every Palm Sunday. 
We know that nearly 200 years before Jesus would take his two disciples and say, go and find that colt, go find uh, the, the donkey as well, the donkey and the foal, bring them to me. Before he would do that, 200 years before, a great and terrible and awful thing had happened in the temple of God. That Greek ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, had, had taken pigs and pig flesh and sacrificed it in the temple. He had utterly um, opposed the Jewish people and their religion. And we know that not only did he do that, he had, he had taken the booths and the, the cubicles, as it were, that were inside of the temple walls for those that were coming in and offering sacrifices, and he had turned them into pagan and cult priestess prostitution. That's what he had done to the temple 200 years before our Lord. And Judas Maccabeus, we know this, he came in and he cleaned house, praise the Lord. He cleaned house and he drove them out of the temple, restoring true and right worship. This is what the season of Hanukkah for the Jewish people is about. But many were looking in the time of our Lord for this king to come in great triumph, kicking out the Romans, establishing political order in this kind of Pax Judea is what they were looking for there and now. But Jesus came not to do that. For when we think about political power, when we think about power, uh, the power of kingdoms and the power of kings and the power of being able to tell people what to do and to force them to do X, Y, and Z, let me remind you, all of that is passing away. Amen? It's passing away. Jesus came as not only a prophet but a priest and a king into the holiest of cities. He came not to establish political power and order, but to do something much more important. To save humanity. To cleanse humanity of sin. To allow those who would believe to be grafted into Him and into His redemption. The triumphal entry in Matthew 21 says that our Lord told his two disciples to go to get the donkey, to get the young colt, to bring them to him so that he could ride on one of them as they made their descent from Bethany and Bethphage, which is on the other side of the Mount of Olives, down the Mount of Olives, through the Kidron Valley, up into Jerusalem, up eventually to the temple. Those that were waving those palm branches, that were shouting Hosanna um, to the son of David, they knew that this prophet, this man, had come to establish some type of kingdom. And they were in humility ready to receive it. But when our Lord gets to the holiest place, when he gets to the temple eventually, on Monday in Holy Week, we, we read about him coming into the temple. What does he find going on in the temple? Money changers, people selling animals, selling them at terrible prices as well, and they've turned a house of prayer, his father's house, into a house of not only political but, but economic uh, uh, comings and goings. And he, he cast all of that out, restoring the temple of God to a house of prayer. But he came as a lowly king. So, beloved, the question that I have for us as we move into this holiest of weeks, 
Which crowd are we in? Which crowd am I in? Do I have room to receive Jesus again anew and afresh and the salvation that he has wrought for us through his cross? Am I, am I ready to receive it? To say that I need it, that it's only through him that I can be saved. And will I be found like the thief on the cross who understands what, what the, the stakes that are at hand? Will I be like the centurion? And the centurions, plural, in Matthew, who say, this is the Son of God. Will I be like those Galileans who had seen the works of Jesus and who say, we are ready to follow him? Or are we a crowd that is looking for a particular type of Jesus himself? Jesus that is a political figure. Jesus that meets all of our quote-unquote needs. Jesus that is only about serving the poor only and doesn't care about what you actually believe about him or God. Which Jesus are we serving and are we doing it with pride in our heart? Because, beloved, finally, he went up into Jerusalem to complete the will of the Father who sent him to be moved to the cross. The cross, that great sign of affliction, of torment, of torture. This was his throne. I will be high and lifted up, he says. But who can receive that? Only those in humility that come to our Lord and say, save me. And we see him high and lifted up knowing that he took on the sins of the world. St. Paul in Philippians 2, which is our epistle reading for Palm Sunday, tells us how we're to live as believers, how believers are to live in humility. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes these words, Beloved, to, to Christians, have this mind among yourselves and for me too. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That is, he he allowed himself to be humiliated by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Beloved, should our Lord walk through the back doors of the nave and come into our midst, which crowd will he find us being a part of? Those that see him come in and that bow our knees and say, we are ready and willing to receive you in your salvation, in your teachings, in your holy church by the power of the Spirit. Are we those who would say, well, you don't look exactly like I thought that you should or you would, and I can't fully follow you. Beloved, this week, this holy week, let me ask you to do two things. 
I want to ask you to contemplate what it means to be humble before the Lord and to receive His passion, His cross. Beloved, there are so many of us that are coming to this Holy Week with wounds, with sin, with death. And let me point you to Jesus Christ crucified in whom we have liberation, salvation, true freedom. A freedom that this world will try to sell you, will try to take all your money, all your time, all your energy. Your spirit will say, we will give you freedom. Freedom is found through serving the crucified Messiah who died and rose again. There is our freedom. Contemplate what it looks like for you this holy week to follow Jesus in humility. And then finally, as we move into Maundy Thursday into the upper room, as we move to the passion of our Lord on Good Friday, as we see and witness again His suffering for us, as we move into Holy Saturday in that in-between time, and then finally when our Lord resurrected from the dead on Saturday evening and Sunday morning, let me invite you finally to contemplate the love of God shown through the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me close with this illustration. Some of you know about uh, Maximilian Kolb. Some of you know, I'm sure, him and what he did during World War II. He was a Catholic priest who was imprisoned in a concentration camp. And one of the prisoners who was called forward to be led away to the gas chambers was, was inconsolable and was weeping, and Maximilian Kolb stepped up in his place and said, let him live. I will go in his place. What an earthly act of love. What an act of love, because it is an act of full sacrifice to the point of death. Beloved, this was the love that Jesus had when he said famously in John 3.16, for he has loved the whole world, the whole world, beloved. And he has done so through the cross. Would we be that crowd that comes from Galilee, having said we have seen his good works? We are here to follow him and to do so in humility. So that finally when Thursday and then Friday come of this week and we look upon and gaze upon that cross we will see the perfectly manifested love of God in the willing sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.